Okay, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today, we are in the second uh, part of our weekly series for how to become a developer and what it's like to be in the life of a developer. So today, Alvin Hope Johnson and I talked through one of our priorities for the week, which is getting a refinance and all supporting documents done so that we can refi a property using tax exempt bonds to retire the existing debt, but also to fund another $14 million of rehab in the budget. We go through tactically what we're doing because sometimes you want to know how the sausage is made and every single de deal is different, but we're here to review with you guys like, hey, what do we do tactically on sometimes on a day-to-day -day basis so that we are being super transparent with what we're doing and then you get a glimpse into the life of being a developer. Uh, towards the end of the podcast, towards the middle, we will be going through our priorities over the week, which includes... Um, getting all the documents, supporting documents together for one of our lenders and investors. We also talk through what do lenders typically look for as part of the support package when they are lending on a real estate development deal. What do they look for? How do they verify and validate the numbers make sense for a real estate development deal? And we even have a bonus. One of our topics this week is how do we build our team? And Alvin talks through just exactly how he vets architects and engineers for some of our real estate development deals. And we even talked a little about the characteristics or the traits that we typically look for before hiring someone onto our internal team. So this is all going to be amazing and super valuable information for you to consider as you think about expanding your team and scaling your growth so that you can realize your dreams of owning multifamily assets. Please make sure you give us some feedback on what other topics you want us to cover. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash at Kent underscore HE and uh, youtube.com slash at the new look of affordable housing. All right, let's get into it. In Louisiana with, well, we didn't buy it. We had a partner buy the note and the note was about... 13, 12 million, 400 something thousand, these two notes right here. And when we bought it, when he bought it, there was 10,000 things on title that were just horrible, but that's okay. Because when we bought, when he bought the note, we had the right to foreclose and wipe everything clean on the title, but we didn't want to do that because we wanted to keep the basis of these notes in place. And the reason we did that, so when you come back to refinance, you can actually use this basis as your basis of debt, okay? And then we took out, then we acquired mechanics liens, totaling this close to a million one. And then there were, several other mechanics liens that fell off that were um that were expunged because of subscription and so now that we're refinancing this thing all of this stuff on title cancel via subscription this one this was a debt this was a debt this was a debt this was a so debt for the audience that's following, right, Alvin, that one million, one point one million mechanics lien was that from 
pre-existing renovations before you acquired a property or are they placed on a property when you were renovating the property? This was pre-existing, pre-us. Okay. Okay. Got it. So when our investor partner bought the notes, these two notes, he also acquired about $3 million worth of mechanics liens. And here's a million one of them. And then there are a couple of more that I'm going to add here. Okay. All of these other ones. So for the listening audience, you may follow in against somebody's property and yep, you're good until you're not good. And what makes it not good is that these things actually time out after so long that if you don't renew your lien position. Got and it. So if, if that the lien holder does not renew it, it gets wiped off. That's correct. Got so it. 2007, 2007, 2003, 2003. 2000, even a state tax lien. That was canceled via bankruptcy because this thing was also in bankruptcy when we bought it. We acquired mm. the bankruptcy judgments as well. Here's another one. Uh, canceled via subscription. South Bank, that, those were... And so now, the lien holder, our new debt holders, because we are using all of this debt as basis want us to need me to show them how this is truly debt and what it was used for because we're using tax exempt bonds to finance this. They need to ensure that the tax exempt bonds are paying off debt incurred by the property for the use of the renovations of the property and not to inure to anybody personally. Because this could have been a lien filed on here by somebody that got paid for money work they didn't do. They need us to show that. So what I've done is I've gone back and attached Dropbox links to all of the documents. Because we're we're using tax exempt bonds to renovate the property now, right? So the old lien, the I think it was like six million, six million, so twelve million bucks of yeah. debt. That is staying in place, and we expect to use the cash flows from the property to pay down that debt. The new tax exempt bonds is supposed to be only used for renovations. Am I saying that back correctly? And to retire legitimate debt. Okay. So here's the legitimate debt for $1,075,000. And so what I had to do was attach this link to it and reference the position on the title so that the attorneys can go, oh, Number 8I, number 8I, Moss Creek, that was that lane I just showed you. And this shows, shows that Moss Creek Development uh, assigned this loan to Triple Growth. That's our debt holder. That's my partner that bought that debt. And so now we can utilize this as part of the basis. And so I see. So we're I'm just tying everything from title to this document so that I can send this to the attorneys so that we have a tax attorney that's given an opinion for these mm -hmm. tax exempt bonds that yes, this money from these tax exempt bonds is paying off legitimate debt. Got it. Legitimate and debt so that's still on the books, but it was related to either purchase of the original property or it was related to actual work done by on the property. So it's called as a legitimate debt. Okay. That is correct. Got it. And then this debt 
Uh, this 800000 was money that we borrowed after we bought it to put roofs on the property. And so I'm going to have Peggy put all of the in. And so they, okay, well, now that 830 how we know y'all didn't pay yourself? Well, we have every invoice for this money that was paid out. So I'm going to have her attach all of these invoices into this Dropbox. And then I've got another three and a half million dollars to put here, another five million dollars to put here. So it's like another eight and a half million that will be debt. And I'll attach, have her put all of those into a folder as well. And uh, and then I can send this off to the attorney. So this is, and what is what did I learn here? Even though now our lender, Triple Grove, is a friend. He gave us money whenever we needed it, however we needed it, for whatever we needed it for this property. We did not truly document it the way it should have been documented. Because those notes should have said, should have said for roof repair. Now my invoices will show that, but this particular lien that we filed, we did a different note, promissory note for every one of them. 208,000 on this one. Were these promissory notes associated with a particular invoice? Is that what you're saying? Or they should have been? Well, what I should have done was had one note for the total amount of the debt that it was going to be. And then here are all the invoices that are going to be dumped into this folder. That that all of these numbers will tie together to match that 830000 bucks. Should have had mm-hmm. one note for roof repair and then have that note just have drawdowns every time we drew from it to get to the total. So now, um, you know, what I, I didn't know back then, what we know today, best way of documenting this, at least we filed it on title so we can prove it. That's that's the easy part. And now I'm having to go back or not having to, I get to go back and just make this really easy for the attorneys and for everybody to follow uh, that, yep, here's the title, here's that item on title, here is the Dropbox folder that it's in, and here are all the receipts and the notes and everything that tie in with it, and really a great deal. And so um, I'm gonna run over to Peggy real quick and tell her that this is a folder for that to drop in, and then I'm gonna have another folder here I need the amounts for the three and a half million dollar loan and then a five and a half million dollar loan. And then I'll put a Dropbox folder for there for that as well. Got it. I guess the takeaway for listeners like document well, track everything well. And then at the same time, that gives you flexibility when the time comes to do your refinance or whatever. Great. Absolutely. And if we didn't have these notes that we filed for that, yeah, you have receipts, but how many people are literally going to want to go through that and add that all up? Fortunately, Mm -hmm. we were able to go back Fortunately, we filed it on title, so it's a matter of record. Um, multiple indebtedness, that's what I'm working on here, this item T, 8T, um, multiple indebtedness. So I'm going to take and stack all of those notes in here. And then here's another one, uh, multiple indebtedness for that. I'll tie right. that. And you're also protecting your lender in this scenario, too, because Absolutely. they also want to be on title. You actually Absolutely. definitely want to be on title. And this was a friend. Who, who, you know, wasn't a trust issue, wasn't a concern. He actually offices right next door to us. So it's like he's close enough to know exactly what's going on. 
but still document, 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 <laughs> right? Right. Uh, you borrow money from your mama, document, document, document. And, and then we had it recorded a record and, uh, and then that'll be easy. And so, uh, Awesome. Listeners, that's my lesson. I had doc. We documented it to some degree, but not to the degree that I would do it today. Amazing. So thanks for sharing that, Alvin. Yes, sir. I just uh, wanted you to know what we're doing, and then also uh, our listening audience can, because I'm sure that we will run into something like this again. Well, that's perfect because I was just going to talk about the top two priorities for the weeks. I mean, what are we doing with the, the proceeds from the refinance on Cyprus? Paying off debt. Is uh, that intended to pay off all the debt? That will pay off twenty million of the debt, and uh, and then I think our rehab budget is right about fourteen million. So we'll put another fourteen million dollars worth of rehab into this asset. Got it. So we're raising taxes on bonds, paying off the old debt, using the new part of that raise to renovate the property, and then the cash flow from the property afterwards will be used to service the the new taxes on bonds. That is correct. Got it. Got, it. Correct. Got it. So what's the other priority for the week, Alvin? Uh, for the listeners out there that's wondering what it's like to be a developer, what's going on with the, the other raise that we're closing in a month? Uh, let's see. What else? Well, that's a couple of questions. Priority for the week. Uh, priority for the week is to complete this process of uh, documenting these notes with the with the paid invoices and et cetera, and getting that to the attorneys before the end of the day today. Mm -hmm. So my day will be kind of jam-packed with that. Um, the rest of the week, uh, I think tomorrow I am going out to Princeton. Uh, where we've got the 400 units being worked on. They're doing all the horizontal improvements. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe both of the detention ponds should be completed by now. I hadn't been out there since last Monday. Oh, that's cool. Uh, well, about 12, 11 days. So I'm sure that the other pond is completed and they're probably well into grading now. Um, all the pads have already been moisture conditioned. And so... Um, I think I've got about $300,000 in invoices to get paid to that contractor mm. this week for that work. Yeah, I just got a payout this morning. And um, so I'll get that submitted to our lender in Wisconsin. Uh, they have mobilized. They The contractors have mobilized. They set up construction trailers last week. Got barricades out there to start putting fencing in. They've got um, poles set for cameras mm. to go up because we'll have 24-hour job site monitoring. Should this week be getting really close to getting that deal uh, funded? So I think our I'm hopeful that we can get some of it funded this week, but I think the drop dead date would be somewhere around 815 that we'll start having uh, big tranches of money hit the bank account for that deal. And when you talk about getting getting the deal funded, right? Was it? I'm trying to draw an analogy for single family investors. Sometimes when you're in an underwriting deal, you gotta submit some W twos, you gotta submit some pay stubs. 
what do we need to still submit to get the deal funded in this scenario? Or is there still like a lot of documentation left, a lot of support, any sort of items from the contractors that we need to provide to the lender and investor? For that deal, I think they have everything they need. Um, none of that has to do with income from us. No qualifications for any of that. This is strictly from a position of a lender. If I'm working with a developer and I'm partnering with them as a lender, they want to know, the lender wants to know, what am I buying? So here's the asset or what am I buying into? Here's the dirt. Here's the asset. Uh, here are the construction docks that we will be building according to. Uh, here are the permits issued by the city or that they are ready to be issued so that I know that once this money goes out, I'm not going to have to wait a year to get it funded because start getting built because there are no permits in place. Um, then once I have the, the asset, I've got the drawings, it's permit ready. I have a itemized budget from my contractor that says they can build this for that. And then we have a plan and cost review study by a third party consulting company that outlines that yes, this contractor has submitted a proposal to build these apartments and their bid for framing is within range. Their bid for all of these different items to bring this project is within range. So it's not like just going out and picking the lowest bid because the lowest bid saves you the most money. How do we know the lowest bid can actually complete that project for what they said they can build it for? That's what this third-party consultant does by providing that plan and cost review study. And so now as a lender, the lender feels comfortable that they've got a great asset, meaning a clear title. They've got some construction drop doc documents, meaning blueprints and et cetera, all the way down to the landscape plan that shows what will be completed. And then they also have a third party, or they have a budget from a contractor that's qualified to build it. And then they have a insurance policy from this contractor that says it's a performance and payment bond, payment and performance bond that says they will complete it. If they don't complete it, then this contractor's insurance will pay somebody else to complete it. Uh, we've got a max price guarantee that says this price of this development will not exceed X unless there's another COVID and force majeure and all that stuff, but we're not going to get into that. And then we have a third-party consultant that says uh, this contractor is qualified to build it and based on our analysis of our expertise and looking at market conditions in this area that this is a qualified bid to be able to complete this project. And so now you've got a full package for this lender to feel comfortable being able to, um, to, lend, to lend on to know that their money is going to get a project that's going to be completely built. So we've supplied all of that. There's some other underwriting stuff that the lender needs to do on their part. Uh, I'm not really that abreast on because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like dealing with a bank. We don't know what the banks have to do on the backside for them to be able to monetize our loan. Mm -hmm. That's the process that we're going through right now. Got it. I think you said it so well. And the theme was that always for a lender because you're buying new construction it's just dirt right so what what are you buying and you always provided here's a bid here's a third party to verify it here's something that's going to happen here's another third party verifying it and i think that always puts the lender or the investor at better ease because they know that someone that is 
unbiased is looking at the project and making sure that what we're saying as a developer is true in of itself when we're presenting those documents to the that's lender. Cool. So thanks for going through that. I think that's going to be, those are so, so many nuggets in there that people are going to be able to take away and really understand the entire process so that they're going to be less scared about it. Um, every week, Alvin, I think we want to cover one extra topic that pertains to development. This week, I teed up the topic of building a team for development. And in particular, we wanted to talk about how do you build a team of your civil, your engineers, your civil engineer, et cetera, and your architects? Do you have any sort of advice on how to, or in particular, how you vetted your engineers and your architects to include as part of your team for some of the developments that we're currently working on right now? Well, because that's more synergy. Mm. Uh, for an architect, you know, they're qualified, they've got, They've got their schooling and blah, 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 right? Whatever that takes. Uh, does that mean that just because they're qualified to do it, that they have the the foresight or the vision that you have? So for an architect, it really is all about the design and um, that they have, because there's so many ways to build things and, and, um, experience is really a big a big piece uh i wouldn't hire an architect to do apartment building that has only done small little single family houses that doesn't make mm. any sense Great even point. though he has the qualifications to do so he just doesn't have the experience to do that uh doesn't mean he can't just i'm not willing to take that chance um engineering is kind of the same thing i have taken referrals from people that I know. Uh, so the guys that are doing our horizontal construction uh, on the property that we're doing in Princeton, they recommended a local engineering firm to us. That firm for me um, had the wherewithal to go to the city, knows everybody in the city. They're doing a lot of projects in two of the cities that we're working in right now. And because they have that ability to do that, um, that is who I chose. And, and I think uh, that's so important, right, Alvin? Like having the relationship with the city, knowing how the bureaucracy works or how the approval process works. That's really important because that could shave a lot of time when you know, like, hey, this inspector will probably ask for this question or during this review of the plans, they will probably look for these types of items and you want to be as prepared as possible. Um, like one example I had was like in San Diego, I met one of the people that reviews the plans and they were like, Hey, work with this architect in general. Most of the times when they submit work to us, it's pretty good. And I think that's also a very good way to go about it and how you build your teams. Like you can look at it from referrals from other investors, or if you already have connection with the city, you might be able to ask them like, Hey, who has done good work for you guys so far? where has the quality of work been? Because chances are the city probably wants to work with people that, like you said, has the wherewithal and a competency to work within the confines of the process that's been defined by the city. So absolutely love what you just said there. So that uh, that is what, and so that's worked out for me. Team building, it's all about, I don't want to work with anybody that doesn't believe that what I'm doing can get done, period. Mm. and 
I've never seen a coach play a quarterback that didn't think he could throw a touchdown. Why would you do that? Why would you put a guy in a game that don't think he can play? So I'm not going to put anybody on my team that doesn't think we can't get to 20,000 units. I'm just not. Because if they're thinking that way, then every thought is driven toward the efficiency of what we're trying to do and not just trying to hit a home run or make a paycheck today. That's a great point. That's part of being a leader, Alvin, where you set out a vision and you want to make sure you inspire your team to to embrace that vision instead of coming up with excuses on why that vision cannot be accomplished. Because that affects the vibe and atmosphere of your entire team. If you have, I don't know, I won't say negativity, toxicity, but it's it's resistance. And when you put in more resistance, you're making what might be a difficult objective even more difficult. Good, that's correct. Are you just talked a lot about synergies and make sure that people believe in the vision? Are there any? You've been in this industry for a while. You've seen what makes someone successful in real estate. Are there any traits or characteristics that you typically look for before hiring someone on your team, either as a third-party contractor or as someone on your team? What have you seen to be the characteristics that help people stand out and be successful in real estate? Um, probably not just real estate, but probably in mm. any endeavor. Um, and being a third party vendor is totally different than being on our team. So for me, with the being on the team part, I, my circle is really tight, really closed. And, um, there has to be someone like a Kent He or Darren Stover <laughs> that has exhibited the ability to to want to be a part of the team to want to add value not just to what we're doing but to enhance my life um because that's how I am with everybody around me Kent you came to me and um all you wanted to do was show that you you had, could add value I mean here we are doing podcasts here we are uh doing all of this stuff to help everybody around us in, in these communities. Right. That's a big deal for me. Uh, and because you're willing to do that for everybody else, then I know that's what you're, you would be willing to do for this team because everything I do here doesn't just benefit me. It benefits the people on this team, uh, from a third party vendor perspective. Um, it's, again, it's not just price. It's a it's the ability to want to help. Uh, it's the ability to want to to carry the torch because with some of these vendors, um, you know, fast pay make fast friend, right? But sometimes there's not fast pay. I'm sitting here right now answering an email to one of our lenders uh, who hasn't released the draw from last month from the guys that are doing our horizontal construction. Oh, now I see why. So I got a question for him. But what if that vendor didn't have the ability to carry that 120000 from last month? He'd be already pulled off the job. And so it's a belief that they have to have again in what we're doing and in us. Because if they don't have that, then he would exactly have, he would acquire 25 or 30% down to get started and all this crap. And then... Uh, the first time his payment is five hours late, he's pulling off the job. Well, that doesn't behoove anybody because it's not me holding the money up. It's our lender, and they're just a couple of things they need us to do to get it right 
and we'll get it right and then they'll release the money and then everybody's happy again, right? So it's more than just the price. It's more than just the ability to do the work. It's really more about attitude. And I think that attitude goes personally with the ability to be on our team, either as a vendor or as part of our team. And then the willingness to get along with everybody else that's on the team. Because everybody that's on the team is valuable to some regards. And if you can't mm-hmm. get along with the other people that are here, then um, then that, that's not going to work for me. Because I'm not going to kick anybody out just because a new guy comes around. Exactly. Then you don't have then you don't build anything. And then like you, Kent, you and your wife, you and Tina, y'all flew out here, hung out with us the weekend. You did that just to build more of a relationship. Not many people are willing to do that. Darren did the same thing. He called me one day, and the next day he was sitting in front of me in my office for lunch. Like, flew here for lunch. And um, now wow. anybody can pull up and do that, but trust me, the meters go up, right? You <laughs> the bed <laughs> go way up. What you doing here? <laughs> Don't do that. But uh, <laughs> um, well, this is why we get along, Alvin. And I think uh, you, you said it really well. And I thank you every day for this opportunity. I'm truly, truly grateful to be part of the team, Alvin. Um, I really believe in what we're doing, and I'm gonna do everything in my power to make that vision come true. Uh, plug in wherever the team needs help, and make sure that I'm not coming in here to try to change everything, but rather just to offer different different perspective and see where now we can do what we're doing already, but a little bit better and do more of what's already been working. So I think that's been really, really cool to be a part of. And I thank you every day for letting me to share your vision, share your mission and be able to talk about it. And I'm so proud of it when I talk about it. I'm just like, Hey, we're going to put 20,000 units in five years. Some people are like, that's crazy. And I'd be like, just watch us. (laughs) Right. Right. Just watch us. And, and just, and guess what? Even if we don't hit 20, 25,000 ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 25,000 ain't bad. And, and, and the beauty of it is that we're not doing this for only the betterment of ourselves. Here we are putting all this information out, letting people know mm-hmm. that the reason Springboard RA exists is to help other aspiring real estate investors realize their dream of owning multifamily assets. Mm-hmm. And we want to help them. That's it. And I think that when your intentions are as pure as they are, I think people really see through that. And that's how we've been able to build such a great team of not internal folks, but also external third-party vendors that believe in our mission and aren't going to be extremely difficult. Now, we're still going to get them paid because that's very, very important. But sometimes these things happen. And I think that's where people really need to understand in development, things will pop up all the time, just like the issue that we're running into right now where, hey, they didn't release a draw for some reason. So you got to, when that problem comes up, you have to block and tackle it, solve it, and then get people solved. Like there's no playbook exactly for what might happen because every lender is a little different for every single case and for every single project. But when you have a team like us, that is committed to your success. That's what's going to help you become successful. That's what Springboard RA is here for. Yeah. So, no, this is cool, man. Alvin, I, I love this conversation. I think these are, this is like the second of our weekly podcast series of life of being a developer. So this is going to be really fun for us to kind of keep going and really kind of open up the doors and 
crazy amount of transparency to the public so that you actually understand what it takes like what it takes to become a developer because sometimes it's not all unicorns and rainbows it's never <laughs> always unicorns and rainbows but that's okay to, they're still out there just because they're not forefront there's still unicorns and rainbows out there that's and right. uh, sometimes we just got to be able to pick our vision up beyond what we see right here to keep mm -hmm. our eye on those rainbows yeah it's awesome we're going to put this video up on my youtube and alvin's youtube make sure you follow alvin hope johnson on instagram and all socials you can find me at invest with kent he and we are out for this week.